for me what makes the story tragic is it's not just about this this young man returning home from combat but it's also about the people at home and how they have to deal with um navigating trying to be around this person who seems very different and you know no one's to blame and it's not because people are being different because they want to it's because they're being different because they've been changed by what they've been been through Welcome to Elements of Styles, the business podcast that trades in scarce thinking for community, conversation, and ideas in abundance. Each week, I, Mark Styles, sit with professionals and entrepreneurs, both local and global, and learn how they each add value to their communities, their partners, and their teams. Please enjoy. Hey, folks, welcome back to Elements of Styles. Today, 2024, our first guest for 2024, I am grateful to have an actor, a creative, a director, a producer, a maker of movies, important movies. He is the creator of the movie Stand 2, which can be found on YouTube and other platforms. It's about post-traumatic stress disorder. We first met him on the Dr. Joe Show, and we started calling it post-traumatic stress condition, because as you all know, Dr. Joe believes that words matter. And disorder is one of those words that he wants to eliminate from our dialect. Without further ado, please meet this creative human being. Welcome to the show, Harrison. Thank you very much for having me, Mark. Uh, it's, a, it's an honor to be your first guest of the new year. I love it. Tell me about Stand 2. What is it and what inspired you to create it? So the film Stand 2 focuses on post-traumatic stress condition and primarily focusing on the effects of PTSD in soldiers returning home from combat. Now, I wrote this film a little while back now and I filmed it in the UK and it follows the story of a soldier returning home and his name is Simon and focuses on his sort of journey in trying to reintegrate into a sort of, I suppose, civilian and normal lifestyle once again after he's seen active duty abroad. Now, one of the main reasons I wrote this film is I felt that um, I'd seen a lot of war films over the years that focused heavily on the soldiers in the thick of it, sort of in the trenches and the bombs going off and the fast-paced excitement almost of war. And I felt like I hadn't really seen a film that focused on the effects of this condition of soldiers returning home. Now, one of the films that sprung up to mind was American Sniper. Uh, that is a fantastic film and it really does focus on this issue, but... I felt I wanted to tell a little bit more of a story that also showed the side of the partner and how she deals with the effects of this. And it was interesting for me being British and having a brother who serves in the British Army, I suppose, focusing on maybe a cultural side of how British people may deal with it. Now, I feel the effects of PTSD can be felt and understood all over the world, but um, it was interesting for me to explore, I suppose, from a British soldier's standpoint and how cultural Culturally, in the UK, people are very sort of closed off anyway. So how that also affected how he, he was unable to open up uh, in returning home. So, folks, I, I highly encourage you to check this out. You can press right through. I'm sure Thomas will put the link directly to, but it is Stand 2. Go on to YouTube and, and check it out. I did. We watched it before the Dr. Joe show. I was blown away with all of it. The um, The production itself was amazing. You bring up a great point, however, when 
someone goes to war, the family goes to war, right? So tell us a little bit about how you created that spousal character and, and, um, and what inspired you and how you, how you painted that picture for us. Yeah. I mean, again, it's a really interesting point. I think, again, often when we think of war films, we, we focus on the very sort of, um, down and deep and gritty sort of element of it, uh, which oftentimes, uh, you know, in my experience is usually focused around men at war. And um, like I say, sort of in the thick of the action. And it was important for me to also show another side of this story, which is the side of the families back at home. And recently when we did the Dr. Joe show, um, we had a great uh, guy on there called Patrick Brandt, who uh, is was in the US military. And I think he made a very, really valid point of it's, it's almost a, a trauma for the families that they have to experience in being apart from a loved one. Now, we all can relate on a certain level what it's like to be apart from someone we love. Um, but the sort of fear and anxiety and the unknownness of being with someone who you love and they're in a completely different country and you can't hear from them and you don't know when they're back, you know, that is such a stress for um, someone to deal with. And it was important for me when writing this story that um, I wanted to show almost, I suppose, the excitement the relatives would feel to receive their loved ones home because there is this element of you can't wait to see them. And then as the story sort of unfolds, she starts to realise that the man who has come back uh, was not the man who left her life. Uh, and, you know, that within itself is a very tragic situation. But it, it was important for me in the beginning of the film, at least, to try and to distinguish a relationship that she believed it was from her memories of the past. And then as the story unfolds, starting to realise that this person who she loved and still loves is a very different person. And I think that's what brings a lot of the conflict. And for me, what makes the story tragic is it's not just about this, this young man returning home from combat, but it's also about the people at home and how they have to deal with um, navigating trying to be around this person who seems very different and you know no one's to blame and it's not because people are being different because they want to it's because they're being different because they've been changed by what they've been been through um, and you know we, we we know what it's like to be in conflict with our loved ones and you know um, there's friction in the household you know we all experience that but to experience that on this level again I I, I I think it's just, it's really heartbreaking. And going back to that question before, why did I make this? You know, I made this to want to raise awareness on that and give a voice to, you know, these people's stories. Right, because you you do, and obviously you want to put a lot of focus on that soldier coming home, but then there is that invisible pain of the family who must carry on. Mm -hmm. and must be honorable and loyal to that soldier however your your portrayal paints a pretty dark picture of how much am i willing to withstand what how much do i have to withstand the treatment definitely and you know i I'd never wanted to shy two things is i never wanted to shy away from the truth in making this film you know that 
um, the story ends sort of um, for the audience to make their own mind up, but I, I leave it on a, a quite a serious note, I would argue. And, you know, again, I never wanted to shy away from the truth of it. And, you know, I also wanted to show that, you know, we're not perfect as human beings. And, um, you know, sometimes we can only withstand so much of our own pain and suffering with someone else and sometimes the option is that you have to detach yourself from that environment and you know that's a really sad thing and I think oftentimes we hear that and we're like well why did they leave they're the loved one and they're supposed to be supportive but you know it's not so simple when you're dealing with such a hard situation like post-traumatic stress condition. What kind of feedback have you been getting on it? So um, I released uh, the film a while back now, and um, when I was releasing it, um, just before I released it, we'd been fortunate enough to enter into some uh, film festivals. So we cool. won at um, New York International Film Festival. We won um, Best Acting Duo for the for the two leads, and we also uh, won Best Actress um, for the uh, the actress Megan Haley playing the uh, wife. Um, and we got selected for two other film festivals. Um, but I suppose uh, my uh, my biggest reaction that means the most to me is um, there's a, a UK's veteran charity called Head Up. Um, and the owners of this charity are all um, ex-military. They've all served in the British Army. And their charity is set up to raise awareness on post-traumatic stress disorder. Now, I shared this film with the charity and the um the owner uh the well the, the person who's one of the leads in running the charity got in touch with me straight away and he, he asked if he could call me uh, and the first thing he said to me was had i served was i a soldier um, and i obviously explained that no i'm a i'm a young boy from britain i've been living in, in new york trying to become an actor and he said that the portrayal felt so truthful and believable to him that he thought that I had actually, um, I had um, actual um, experience with this this issue. And, you know, that was a compliment to me as an actor, as far as feeling like I had achieved a truthful portrayal. But uh, moreover, that is the fact that, again, it's, it's testament to the story as a whole and someone who firsthand has dealt with um, PTSC um, in the British Army and he'd done four tours of Afghanistan and he had unfortunately lost 13 friends to suicide. Now um, he went on to share my film through his charity and that's been uh, sent out to a lot more veterans uh, within the UK um, and again I, I, it's a really positive thing for the film because it it then raises awareness but it also allows people who have dealt with this firsthand to have sort of a a port of call or something that they may be able to relate to and it may help them in their process of trying to understand you know what they're going through and that's sort of the the best reactions I've been having and um yeah yeah it's been that's, really positive that's pretty that's a pretty nice endorsement to have someone recognize that this seems like a memoir more than mm -hmm a fictional portrayal. Now in England, is it commonplace where people keep their mental health uh, conditions, their mental fitness to themselves bottled up and 
people not talking about that or is there a more of an openness about that these days i would say we as you know yourself we live in such a very interesting time we have mm. social media we have lots of discussions around mental health um I would say in the UK, especially in the past, there was a lot of, I suppose, sort of stiff upper lip mentality and um, sort of uh, man up and get on with it or sort of, um, you know, keep things to yourself. And I think it's a difficult conversation because that works well in certain environments and for certain people and for other people, it can have a detrimental effect. Now, I think the positive thing is, is we're living in a world where these sort of ideals and traditionalities are being questioned. Um, and again, that's a reason of making the film is to allow people who feel like they can't open up or don't know how to open up to be able to watch a film that does talk and start to touch on these ideas of suffering with mental health and how it's important to open yourself up. Um, I mean... Yeah, I, I've lived in America for five years in New York, so I know New York is a very uh, unique uh, melting pot, as they call it, in comparison to the rest of the US. But I would say in my experience, uh, at least in New York, a lot of people were very open about their mental health, you know, no matter what career they were in. Um, but I'm a, I'm a young man and I'm, I'm very interested in uh, people who are, who don't know how to open up or, or who can't open up. And, you know, um, I think uh, I like making stories that relate to these people because I often feel like the people who suffer the most are the people who are the most quiet. Um, and that's not being taking away anything from people who are more open. I'm not saying it's a bad thing, but I've, I've spent a lot of time, with, especially with men in my life, who I feel like have had an inability to open up about their mental health issues and, um, I think, you know, we live in a very interesting time of whether they should, whether they shouldn't, and uh, the, the positives and negatives of uh, opening yourself up. It seems to me, and I, I believe you shared with me in the pre-call that you're 24 years old. Yeah. It, it appears to me that folks in your generation, uh, the, the 20s, are more open to it are more open to having these conversations than maybe your parents were having. Do you see that? Most definitely. And um, it's really interesting because I, I pride myself on coming from a very, um, you might call it working class in the sense of my, my mother lived in a city called Bradford, which is in the north of England. And her toilet was in the back garden. You know, she didn't even have a toilet in the house and very, very humble beginnings and the same as my father. And I was uh, fortunate enough that they both worked very hard in their lives to provide me with uh, opportunities that I could take and uh, make the best of. Um, but um, getting back to this question, it's, it's not that I'm against people opening up. I'm all for people opening up. And I think it's a very positive thing. Is, but I, I do feel like there we live in a time where people almost use it sometimes as a bit of an excuse mm, um, or a bit of 
or a bit of a I'm going to use the term sort of victim card and again you know that I might be therefore viewed as very sort of traditional and upper lip and it might be kind of contradictory to me talking about the story that I've made but I think life is all about balance and I think you make a very good point I think my generation is talking about it more which I think is a good thing but I do question and sometimes are concerned about how like is it used opening up for the right reasons or does it start to sometimes fall into this place of it's a bit of an excuse or it's a bit of a reason of why I can't do things or I can't achieve things because of everything I'm dealing with when life is meant to be hard we're meant to face hardships and that's the part of being human whether you're male female that doesn't you know whoever you are wherever you're from um we all deal with hard things uh so call me controversial but no no it's i think it's it's open-minded right it's it's open to seeing outside of you know that that framework that you're used to seeing it's it's refreshing actually to hear you say that now when you add in the military however right where you're a soldier and (laughs) you're fearless and this invisible disease right so there's diabetes you can you can see that there's cancer you can see that mental fitness issues you can't see and like you said with the quiet person they'll often tend to suffer more are you seeing this film having a bigger impact there i mean I think um, the more this film uh, is seen and shared and put out into the world, I personally think it can have a really uh, positive impact on people within the military and also people who have experienced post-traumatic stress condition. And my reasoning behind that is, although the story focuses on a soldier returning home from combat, the themes of post-traumatic stress condition Uh, as far as loneliness and inability to open up and dealing with lots of lots of um, welled up uh, emotions that are hard to release I think are things that are relatable from all walks of life no matter who you are and the reason I'm a big advocate for this film being as uh, as shared as possible is because I think it can be the beginning of a conversation with someone and others about Mm. their experiences and, you know, how it can help them. And um, yeah, that's how I see it. It's, it's really interesting that you say that, and this is a condition, this is real. Mm -hmm. This is not the person who's looking to escape something yet. They feel that to a certain degree, right? Because they are this soldier. Are they receiving that post, um, you know, leaving the military services that are needed? I know the U.S. struggles with this, right? Reaching out, uh, granting the benefits to our soldiers. Is is the U.K. having similar struggles or is it becoming more available and help people get back into civilian way of life well 
I would say that um, in, again, making this film and in my attempt to share it, I've become a, a lot more aware of organisations that are mm. out there to provide support and help. I would say that um, homelessness, uh, similar to America, is a big issue and there are a lot of homeless veterans now, as someone who has family who serves and has had previous family members serve, to see someone make such a sacrifice for their country and community to then be living on the streets seems like such a a sad reminder that it feels like we are failing in that mm. department. Um, I can't. Yeah, I, I can't speak for the all the efforts and things that are going on behind the scenes to support veterans. I'm sure there absolutely are out there, but you've said so yourself. The, the fact that, you know, we see and hear about these people who feel like they don't have help or can't receive help is a testament that there's truth within that. And the fact that this man who has set up this charity in the UK lost 13 friends to suicide mm. in the 21st century is uh, is a an absolute fact and figure which proves that these young men and women feel like they don't have these outlets. And now I'm not saying that these outlets aren't there, but they're obviously they're struggling to be able to be involved with them somehow. Uh, and again, with sharing this film, someone may watch it and they may may be experiencing it or know someone who's experiencing it, and it might be the the spark that lights the flame for them to go out and get the help that they need that is out there, but they feel like they can't find or don't know where it is. So folks, if you're hearing this and it's, it's moving you push that film out there. How long is it Harrison for those uh, paying attention? So it's 20 minutes long. So it's a uh, class as a short film. Um, my reasons originally for that is I, um, I just did not have the the budget to be making a full length mm -hmm. film, and you know I, I would be very interested in the future to see about making a a longer film exploring this issue because there's lots of different avenues to to wander down. But I tried to encapsulate as much as I could within a twenty minute uh, time frame to I suppose give the the main themes of of the issue. So it's not a huge commitment, folks. YouTube stand to, and for those who are in the industry. And you're hearing this, share this with some folks because this would make a really nice feature film. It's really well done. And I, I applaud you, Harrison. I, I do. There's a lot of wonderful things in your future for sure. Thank you, Mark. I appreciate it very much. So, so my friends, this has been wonderful. It was wonderful um, having you and Patrick on the Dr. Joe show. And folks, if you want to listen to that, another amazing episode of the Dr. Joe show, you can find that wherever you consume your podcast, the Dr. Joe show, and it's Harrison Tipping and Patrick Brandt. You can find that anywhere. Now, I can't let you go, Harrison, without having the question that I ask everybody. Um, karaoke. You're a performer, you're a creative, you're an artist. You're next up on the stage. What are you singing? Well, I'm definitely not a man blessed with a angel Gabriel voice, but um, <laughs> I am fearless when it comes to karaoke, I would like to argue. So my uh, my go-to song would be Elvis Presley in the ghetto. Oh, cool. That's an amazing song. I've actually thought about singing that at karaoke a couple of times. It's a It's a beautiful song. Yeah, great song, great message, beautiful voice, and uh, 
when people see me up on that stage singing it, it brings a tear to their eye. I love that. <laughs> okay. So again, folks, you can find this video on YouTube, Stand to Harrison Tipping. Go find it. Thomas is going to have it in the show notes. So if you're walking the dog or you're on the treadmill right now, you can click through. But if someone wants to get in touch with you, Harrison, how would they do that? So my, um, in a, I suppose, a professional setting, my email would be all, all together. And it's Harrison Tipping at Outlook dot com that's harrison tipping at outlook.com i'm also on facebook under my name harrison tipping and i am on instagram and it's all lowercase and it's tipping harrison i set it up when i was 15 never changed it and <laughs> i remain still same old g and your og i love it so your digital footprint remains i love that Thank you. I'm truly grateful for you coming on and sharing your story and sharing this movie with the world. And uh, I will be certain to share it and share it. I will, because it is amazing and it needs to land softly for those who need to see it. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for having me, Mark. I, I really appreciate your time and give me your platform and yeah, to all your viewers uh, and listeners out there, I appreciate your time. And if you can share it with one person, that'll get it out there for me. So thanks. Folks, thank you for listening. This has been another amazing episode of Elements of Styles. We are on to bigger and better things in 2024. So I hope you'll hang out with us on a weekly basis. With the help of Thomas, we'll be dropping a new episode either from this platform, The Dr. Joe Show, or EO Boston. Similar to this, if you enjoyed this conversation, if it moved you, if you thought of somebody, please, pretty please share this with them and share it with everyone. Why not? Be well, folks. Hey, thanks for joining us today. If you enjoyed the show, be sure to subscribe on your platform of choice for a new episode each week and share this with everyone and anyone. If you have any questions or comments or have an idea for another guest, feel free to shoot me an email at mstyles at styles-law.com. That's M-S-T-I-L-E-S at styles-law.com. And if you are a real estate professional, be sure to check us out on our private exclusive Facebook page, The Real Estate School at 892 for content and Massachusetts continuing education opportunities. Be well, folks. This podcast is being provided for informational purposes only. The podcast is not a comprehensive overview of the subject and is not intended to provide legal or financial advice or an endorsement of any product or business. The views expressed by podcast guests are their own and their appearance on the podcast does not imply any endorsement of them or any entity they represent. Please seek legal, financial, or tax advice before taking any action on the matters or products discussed herein.